welcome lovelies to this episode of the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WVEW 107.7 LP Brattleboro, your community uh, radio station. And then also this YouTube video will be online and I believe it will be on BCTV later today as well. I am your host, Olga Peters, and welcome, Representative Emily Kornheiser. How are you doing? I am well today, Olga. Thank you. I'm trying to look at the camera on my computer instead of the picture of you on my computer, and it's very awkward, and I'm going to stop doing it. So I'm going to apologize to listeners for not looking at the camera and looking at you because I cannot sustain looking at a little yellow dot. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. So here's a little trick of the trade that is my rule. Maybe no one else does it. If you're talking to the audience, like I'm going to talk to the audience now, so I'm going to look at the camera and break that fourth wall. And when I'm talking to you, I'll look at the picture. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully that's not too annoying. I think Listeners, this is what I'm going to try. Okay. To look at the camera when I'm talking to you (laughs) and then talking to Olga. So many new skills we're learning in these times. I know, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, um, I was on a a Zoom call last night for a writing group that I belong to. And um, there were 70 some odd people on it. Um. And it was just, it was interesting to see the different levels of understanding of Zoom, yes. uh, but also that this platform really wasn't made for that big a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, okay, we're going to be looking into a new platform. And it's just the technology. It's like, but I think that's how you do technology. You have to use it and see what you need. Mm-hmm. And then you adjust or you add new or you change platforms. I've facilitated a few meetings of more than 70 people on Zoom lately mm. and managed to make it work. But it takes a very particular type of facilitation that's very different from regular facilitation. Uh, um, and it's much more like facilitating a conference call than facilitating a video call when you get to that many people. But I do think it's possible. And in some ways, as a facilitator, can be more fun because you get more permission to take control of the group. Whereas on a non-video call in person, people tend to sort of resent the facilitator's control. So good to know. that's one of my reflections from life in Zoom. Ah, it's also a pretty good reflection on power dynamics in a room. Indeed. <laughs> Speaking of power dynamics in a room... The last time folks heard from us, <laughs> you were transition. zooming up I-91. I'm okay. sure you weren't speeding um, at, to Montpelier because of a last minute quorum call. Um, you had a vote on an emergency legislation that was supposed to be able to happen remotely. And then um, Cynthia Browning from Arlington mm-hmm. uh, called for a quorum. So what happened with all that, just so folks can kind of tie a little bow on that episode? Well, first of all, I was speeding and there (laughs) were police officers at, um, I think, like pretty much every other exit. It was I don't think I've ever seen so many police officers out on the roads before. And I never got pulled over. And I spoke to Representative Sibelia, who did the same thing and never got pulled over. And so um, we don't know if you had germs. What? They were afraid you had germs. Perhaps. I think um, they were asked to deploy so that folks who feel safer having police officers around would have sort of that sense of security with the government, because that was the first day of the governor's order to stay in place. Um, But I am sort of, you know, perhaps a thread for another conversation would be how that increased police presence um, 
will affect other populations in these coming days and mm -hmm. months. Yeah. Anyway, back to the issue at hand, not my speeding. Um, so we went up there. Um, we were we received emails in advance about how to enter the building in a safe way and how to disperse to safe places. Um, so sort of five of us in each of the larger rooms and then two people in each committee room. And then when we were called to the quorum call um, into the house chamber, we were instructed, we were given permission to sit in seat. Usually we can only vote in our own seats. Um, and previous to when we all convened, when it was still the small group of people where the quorum was called, they were able to um, pass a rules change to allow us to vote somewhere other than our seats. Mm -hmm. And so we um, spread across the house chamber in a much more dynamic way than we usually do. So we were asked to sit with two spaces in between each of us um, and we're allowed to vote from the Senate seats, which are sort of up near the speaker's podium. Mm -hmm. And then um, also from the balcony and the gallery. So we wow. were able to engage in some social distancing. Um, people were, in some ways it was sort of, you know, it was nice to see my colleagues um, in these, you know, very tense times. And a lot of people who were there were clearly um, viscerally scared. Hmm. Um, some people wearing masks, gloves. We have a lot of medically vulnerable people or people who care for medically vulnerable people in the house body. And so in addition to my concerns were about um, picking something up and then spreading it or bringing something into the chamber and spreading it because we're sort of, you know, this vector points throughout the state. Um, but I had colleagues who were, you know, really scared for their own health and the health of their loved ones in a way that was much realer for them than it was for me. And that was really hard to see. Um, mm -hmm. And I felt terrible for them and with them. So um, we passed the votes easily. We passed the change, the rules change that allows us to vote remotely in the future, which was sort of the um, sticking point for Representative Browning. She was the lone no vote in the chamber about allowing us to vote remotely in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and then we all carried on and um, went back to our homes to bring whatever back with us um, we're bringing back. Um, and so I'm going to, I mean, I was sort of self-isolating before this, but I'm going to continue self-isolating um, mm -hmm. after being around so many people. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before about the legis you know, the legislation we passed was the exact same legislation we described um, two days ago, last mm -hmm. time we spoke, um, some change to government operations, to healthcare policy, and then to um, unemployment insurance. And um, the next day, yes. Um, yesterday, the speaker sent out a very comprehensive email to all members um, that described that in these times, um, we need people who are taking the health of our communities as seriously as possible and are able to work across party lines to do so. Um, and that she was removing Representative Browning from the committee that she sat on because it's a committee that's gonna have a really important part to play in what the next steps in our governance looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the Committee on Ways and Means. That's one of the two money committees. It's the committee that develops tax policy. Mm -hmm. And so she removed her from that committee um, and actually placed me on that committee, which is um, 
sort of, you know, a slightly awkward thing. And I'm really looking forward to rising to the challenge and um, developing tax policy that works for all of us and really serves the needs of our community mm-hmm. towards the collective good. So well, that's the midpoint or end point of the story. Well, congratulations on your new appointment. I'm sorry it happened in kind of an awkward situation, but I hope you enjoy serving on that committee. Cause, and, and just to remind folks, you're moving from economic development. I'm moving from commerce and economic development over to Ways and Means. There's a lot of um, legislation that sort of moves between the two committees. Okay, that's right. Um, so I'm familiar with a lot of what they're doing, and I'll still be able to have a hand in a lot of what I was doing. Um, and actually the committee rooms when they're in real life are right across the hall from each other um, and share a little hallway window that we all like to sit at. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we ever return. But so that's um, leaving commerce and economic development, moving to ways and means. So sort of, you know, setting tax policy and making sure that the revenues of the state are sufficient to meet the needs of the state. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck. What, what will be the first thing your committees, your new committees taking up? or that you'll so be working on? today at 10 a.m., um, I found this out yesterday, today at 10 a.m. we're looking at um, educational funding and specifically um, changing educational funding needs and challenges in the face of COVID. Okay. Um, and that's really sort of how revenues are going to change based on what's happening in COVID, how you know tax deadlines have moved, how revenues are going to be down because of lower sales tax, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of reading to do, and I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing how um, uh, more about the bills you are all working on. And I think that's timely because, of course, yesterday the governor announced that he's extending his order for closing down schools. And basically they're done for the end of the the school year as far as in-person classroom teaching goes and and that teachers and families are still are going to need to work on distance learning and uh, individual education from here until the schools reopen which at this point is not going to be the rest of the school year so what do you think is key for people to understand about that order at this point um i think i absolutely as a parent of a school-aged child, I absolutely understand how hard people are taking this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that um, I think for some folks, it feels sort of a really harsh reality check about where we are as a state. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't surprised it happened. Um, and I think no. most of us um, were aware it was going to happen, that the initial deadline was... Um, for schools reopening was incredibly early. Yeah. Um, and so this was more, from my perspective, an opportunity for the governor to say, here, here's reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might as well all put reality on the table right now and get used to it and adjust to it and move on um, rather than any particular change in circumstance. And so um, really helping, you know, shift the conversation from, this is a very extended, very difficult snow day for kids to we're going to need to figure out how we're shifting as communities and families to be in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's really hard because we know that, you know, schools have really managed to shift how they deliver some essential services, um, you know, in terms of food delivery, really incredibly heartened to see how well the sort of school bus, school lunch deliveries are going and how much kids seem to be enjoying that even mm -hmm. um, and how much families need that. But um, the next step of really figuring out how kids can learn and feel in community um, and be healthy and teachers can adapt um, to all of that in a distance model is it's really intense. Mm -hmm. You know, I told my team um, at a staff meeting yesterday that, you know, none of them would have gone into human services if they wanted to spend their whole day at a computer, they would have gone into a different job <laughs> um, and really want to sort of respect that this is not what they signed up for and mm -hmm. they're still doing a really beautiful job at it um, similarly you know most parents didn't sign up to homeschool mm -hmm. and that's what they're doing now and so we really all um i hope we can all be a little gentle with ourselves about this stuff yeah yeah it, it will be interesting you know i interviewed some teachers from academy school for a recent article in the commons and I spoke with um, Principal Diaz mm -hmm. from the Academy. And one thing she said that she was concerned about, and this is really what has stayed with me, is, you know, she's, Academy School is dealing with very young children, kindergarten yeah. through, is it eighth? No, it's sixth. Sixth. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, it's... Um, <laughs> I don't have children in school. No, it's... It's a whole other world for me. Um, totally. Yeah. But one thing that has stayed with me is she says, you know, these kids are learning so fast as little kids mm -hmm. um, that she's worried about, you know, what will this time out of school, out of the classroom mean for the rest of their education? You know, she's already thinking, like, how is this going to impact their high school education? Yeah. You know, what will this mean? And that's really stayed with me. As mm -hmm. far as, oh, right, this this is a big deal for someone to be out of the classroom that long. Yeah. And for kids, um, third grade and under are all um, they learn best by sort of early childhood learning opportunities, um, which is play based social skills, social emotional skills. It's really not academic. It's pre academic. Mm -hmm. um, well, and it's and not computer so, either, really. It's much more. Yeah, it's real, totally. Real tactile. It's tactile. It's social. It's physical, and so that's incredibly difficult. Um, and what I'm worried about, as a policymaker and as a person deeply concerned with equity, that for some kids they're going to learn a lot more when they're out of school. Um, they're kids who sort of learn their academics um, easily in a straightforward way. And they will be able to sort of get more done academically without, um, you know, the social life and the rules changes and all of that of his classroom. Um, they'll, you know, they might be kids who have parents at home who are providing a lot of enrichment activities. They might be kids who are just very content to sit on a couch with a book all day, like mine. Um, and so how... And then there's kids who need a lot more structure to learn or need a lot more hands-on opportunities to learn or need that sort of peer-to-peer -peer opportunities to learn or need one-on-one um, -on -one assistance to learn. And so those are the kids who are often already um, struggling to be at grade level. Mm -hmm. And so how is this time gonna ex 
broaden what we already call sort of like the achievement gap or the opportunity gap or whatever gap we want to call it. I don't, um, I think a lot of those terms don't do service to the dynamics at play. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this case, it really, that's my concern. Um, What will that look like next year? Not that I think, you know, everyone is going to fall behind because I think some kids aren't. I think some kids are going to be sort of jumping ahead and this is going to be one of the most enriching times in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of scares me about what it means for the future. And I hope that the federal legislation that's coming and the increased funding to our schools from that federal legislation will be able to provide the kind of extra hands-on um, through the computer support that um, some of these kids need. And also grateful that, um, you know, in Brattleboro at least, people's barriers to internet access are financial and that's solvable Mm because there's a lot of communities around the state and even around this county that don't have access to internet service um, for reasons that go beyond economics. Yeah, it's 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 infrastructure. Yeah. This infrastructure isn't even there. Mm-hmm. to provide it yeah that's a really good point because as you were talking what was dawning on me was um not only are the schools closed down right now but many of the other institutions that could provide supplemental experiences or materials like libraries museums mm-hmm. you know performance spaces they're all closed too Absolutely. I mean, and they're also all open online. So I don't know if you've had a chance, Olga, but there's, you can tour any museum now online and it's super fun. Um, But you also have to be a person that like wants to sit at your computer and watch a museum tour, which I'm actually not right now. So (laughs) um, yeah, it's really, it's hard. It's hard. Um, And, you know, I have a colleague who's um, in college and she does most of her schooling online, but she somehow has figured out how to be a member of three different libraries in the county. Good on um, her. Yeah. And so she gets all of her school books from all the different libraries around the county and has like all kinds of schemes around it. And she can't access any of her school books right now. And so she has no idea how, how she's going to continue her college education, even though she's incredibly accustomed to the online learning aspect of it. She's always done that. Mm-hmm. she can't access those resources that she needs and cannot afford to buy the books if she was even able to get a delivery right yeah mm. tricky it's it's all mm-hmm. these you know it's interesting when we started to slowly close down our our community and and i have to say i don't know if this was a plan on part of the administration mm-hmm. But I think how it's rolled out has been smart because it's been gradual. And so people could kind of adjust and mm-hmm. and we get the impacts bit by bit rather than a crash. I think parts of that are true. I mean, I think the, um, a few days ago before the request to stay home, there was all companies are mandated to provide telework opportunities when and if possible, right? Mm-hmm. That was definitely a warning yeah. shot. Yeah, I took that as yeah. a ding, ding, ding. Yes. Um, Sorry, you were saying something. That's okay. And what was I saying? Oh, um, you know, early on, we, as things started to shut down, I think we were dealing with the big impacts. Mm-hmm. Like, how will we get kids school lunches? Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of a big system thing. Mm-hmm. And now that we've closed down a little bit more and a little bit more, we're starting to get into the real nitty gritty impacts. Absolutely. Um, and they're going to probably take a little finer um, surgical precision 
Mm-hmm. And then, you address. know, yeah, I mean, and then there's legal aspects for the schools. So I know one youth um, that is receiving sort of packets in the mail or via school bus um, because they don't have internet access and they're sort of, you know, fine doing those, I suppose. Um, but they're asked to email once a day to their teacher to say like present basically. And the youth just finds this to be, you know, and youth find all kinds of things to be absurd. You know, that's what being a youth is. Um, but finding this particular need to email their teacher and say, hi, I exist every day to be absurd, but it's covering sort of legal requirements for the school system to say that person is sort of enrolled and in school, right? Right. Um, Even if they're in school from far away. And so I can't, you know, the level of detail that's required of the agency of education and our school districts right now is stunning to me. Yeah. And it's probably gotten even more messy since because now Mm -hmm. they have to, they have to check even more boxes. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. And, you know, in doing that, take care of some kids who really need that care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a um, niece. One of my to-do lists this weekend is to check in with some family and friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of my cousins I want to check in in with has a a daughter in Vermont education system with um, special needs. Mm Mm-hmm. And her dad has, because my cousin, as far as I know, is still working. Um, and so her dad is kind of taking over the education mm-hmm. of, of my niece. And I, I'm looking, I'm curious about how that's going. Yeah. Because she has, you know, she has definite learning issues that are different than, than some other children mm-hmm. might have. Yeah. That, you know, there are people who go to school for many, many years to learn how to do that well mm-hmm. um yeah and now parents are sort of jumping into this void i i have to feel sorry i want to put a big sorry out to any kids or parents out there who even if um you normally get along and you love each other very much <laughs> but you as a child are a tactile learner mm. and maybe your mom and dad or other caregiver are like a visual learner or uh, another type of learning style. Mm-hmm. Like my mother, who was a librarian. Mm-hmm. And one reason she became a librarian, because quote unquote, I like putting things in straight rows. <laughs> who had a daughter who was like, Wah! let's go everywhere, do everything all at once. Um, I'm sorry, it's going to be tough. Please love each other anyways. Mm-hmm. You won't understand how each other learns. Mm-hmm. Just take a breath and remember you love each other. <laughs> yeah. And just don't kill each other. It's okay to even hate each other for a few days. You mm-hmm. know, um, when my son goes to walk the dog a few times, I've asked him if I could come with him or if he wants to be alone. And he has regularly said, thank you. I would like to be alone on this walk. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a gentle way of saying, I love you, mom. And mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's shift gears a little bit. You touched on some federal regulations around the school system. Let's talk about some federal relief packages that have just come down and you received a briefing on yesterday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a few briefings from a bunch of different offices and they all say essentially the same thing, which makes me think they're good briefings. Um, so the National Council on State Legislators, um, legislatures, is um, a nonpartisan body that supports state legislators um, and legislatures uh, with policy and collaboration and um, 
advocacy to Congress and a few other things. And so they put out a briefing and then I have a briefing from um, Senator Leahy's office and then someone from our own legislative council office put together a briefing on the particularly the expansion in unemployment insurance. Okay. And so I'd like to start with that expansion unemployment insurance because I know that that is something that is very, very, very present for so many people in our community. Yes. Yeah. Um, so basically it starts with something called pandemic unemployment assistance. Um, which is like disaster unemployment assistance. And we had an expansion of, under, of unemployment assistance um, during Hurricane Irene. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is similar with significantly more money attached to it. So it includes a program for self-employed independent contractors and workers with insufficient employment history to qualify for regular unemployment insurance. Oh, that's and huge. this is something that we hoped was coming because Vermont does not have the capacity to offer this otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so this is huge because we have so many people in our community that are self-employed or independent contractors. And so I'm really, really, really excited about this. Um, and so folks are eligible for this if they are not eligible or they've exhausted the regular unemployment expanded insurance that the state of Vermont is already offering. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so this is a supplemental program once you've finished with this other program or we're not eligible for this other program. Um, and so you need to self-certify, which is great. Self-certification means that the government is actually trusting you to not be committing fraud, which is, um, best practice for almost any government benefits program. We've seen a lot of evidence that um, increased regulations around reporting for things from food stamps to Medicaid, et cetera, generally spends much more money than it saves in terms of detecting fraud. Hmm. So anyway, you need to self-certify that you would be otherwise able and available to work, but cannot work or unemployed because of things related to COVID. And I'll go through that. But that's one of the big differences in how Vermont's unemployment is operating now and this new federal unemployment is operating. That normally, in order to be eligible for unemployment, you need to be ready and available to work and looking for work, right? Right, right. You can't have childcare problems. You can't have um, any sort of medical issues. You can't um, be enrolled in school, a bunch of different things. You need to be ready and available for work and looking for work. You mm -hmm. need to be able to say yes tomorrow in order to be eligible. And we are saying no to that because we don't want people working. We want people staying at home. So um, that's if you're, so it's a whole wide variety of ways that people can be affected by COVID. And I think that's an important acknowledgement that this isn't just people who are sick. Um, this is something that's affecting, it's, we're talking about the effects of an economic shutdown essentially. Mm -hmm. So it's people who are diagnosed or symptomatic for COVID if a household member is diagnosed for COVID. So an acknowledgement that, you know, what happens in our family impacts us, which is, a you know, that's kind of a huge deal for government to say that mm -hmm. um, in these times. Caring for a family member, if a child's school or childcare is closed. Okay. So an acknowledgement that it's very, very, very hard for parents to parent and work simultaneously, which is also like a huge breakthrough for the federal government to say that, because I think that's something um, that women especially have been trying to express for a very long time yeah. um, and have not quite won that war yet. 
So quarantine because of COVID advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine. So that's people in um, vulnerable populations, um, right. vulnerable health populations, um, unable to start a job as a result of COVID. So you had a job offer, but you weren't able to start because of something related to COVID. Um, your head of household died because of COVID. You quit your job because of COVID. So that's also another huge shift. Generally with unemployment, it's only if you're laid off that you're eligible. If you quit, even if you quit because of terrible circumstances. Right. As long as you are the person that walked away from the argument first, you are not eligible for unemployment. This is a big shift saying if you quit your job because of COVID, even if your employer was not yet ready to lay you off because of COVID, you're eligible. Your place of employment closed because of COVID and additional criteria, um, as established by the Secretary of Labor, and we'll see what that is. That's mm -hmm. just, you know, the get out of jail free card that we add to all legislation always. Yes. Um, so you're not eligible if you're able to telework, meaning you can still work, mm -hmm. like me, um, or you're receiving paid sick leave or other paid leave benefits. So you can't double dip. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so that's up to 39 weeks of benefits, which is also much longer than ordinary unemployment insurance. Mm -hmm. Another acknowledgement that we're in this for the long haul. Yes, that's three quarters. Mm -hmm. So three quarters of the year. Yeah. Um, and that is another acknowledgement that we're in this for the long haul. And it might be longer than that. And so what I've been really struck by as I've been um, doing committee work and talking to other legislators about this is how everyone is sort of coming from a very different place about how long the impacts of this are going to last and how deep they're going to be. And it's really hard to establish policy solutions when everyone has such a different understanding of the exact problem that we're <laughs> dealing with. Um, and so if we think this is just going to be a month and everything's going to restart, that's a very different story than if this is going to be nine months. Right. Right. And so, again, we find another place in policymaking where everyone needs to have something resembling a common understanding of the problem before we can find a common solution. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, you know, this is really highlighting that. Um, so this is another huge, awesome thing. We know that um, unemployment benefits don't pay the full amount of your previous salary. Right. And that's really hard for most people. Um, we know that most Vermonters and most Americans spend their entire paycheck every week, every month. Mm -hmm. um, and so this adds your weekly benefits that you would be permitted under your state unemployment insurance law plus $600 per week. Okay. Yeah. And so $600 per week, which was one of the sort of proposals that was floating about in the policy ether over the last week. And I heard a lot of people talking about and how it was like not enough to do anything. Um, it's not enough to do a lot. Um, it's certainly a lot more than people on ReachUp or TANF get, mm -hmm. um, but it's, but it, this is $600 in addition to your unemployment insurance benefits. Right. Which so, is much more doable. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit of a buffer for mm -hmm. some other bills. Yeah. And for some people, this might bring people up above their, ex their previous salary. Oh. or hourly wage. Okay. Um, and for some people, this won't, but it'll bring you know it up closer to their existing salary or wage. Um, so other pieces of this is um, 
there's a lot of complications around nonprofits on, 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 and unemployment insurance, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know how deep we should get into today. But I, I think it would be helpful if, if you're able to do this, because I admit it's something I don't fully understand either, mm-hmm. to just um, highlight some of the ways that it's complicated, just to give people yeah. a, a rough understanding of why it's even an issue. So for some reason, I don't understand at all. Nonprofits are allowed and historically permitted to not pay into the state unemployment insurance trust fund. Oh. They're basically, they're still required to follow sort of unemployment guidelines in terms of what they pay out and how they pay out. And that still all happens through state government, Mm -hmm. but they don't have to pay in to this big trust fund. What they have to do instead is they're allowed to self-insure. Okay. I don't know who thought this was a good idea in the first place. Um, it puts all the risk on the nonprofit, but it also reduces the costs for the nonprofit. And so mm-hmm. I suppose that made sense to someone. And maybe part of it is that people assume that nonprofits are sort of kinder, friendlier employers. And so they won't be engaging in as much hiring and firing as for profit businesses. And I don't, you know, yeah. Um, what comes to none mind of my to work me. in the in the nonprofit sector has led me to believe that that's true. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's where we are. Um, and so, nonprofits who are right, some nonprofits, um, some are operating, you know, at sort of a higher capacity than they did two weeks ago, but some um, are laying off huge numbers of workers, schools, Mm -hmm. for instance, um, private schools. Um, And so they are expected to pay those benefits out of their bottom line. Mm. And that's really complicated. Um, So there is significant relief um, and reimbursement for nonprofits who are doing that in this legislation. Um, What else? Um, it extends benefits, um, 13 weeks longer. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. Um, does it do anything about what we often talk about the benefits cliff? Um, unemployment insurance doesn't tend to have the same benefits cliff that other things have. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's people who might be at the edge of sort of a threshold, um, similar to sort of tax policy, where, you know, you're like at the highest point of your bracket. um, And so you get or you're in the lowest point of your bracket. um, And so you might be better served in the bracket above or below. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of the benefits cliff and how it works with food stamps and all of that, that's not as big a problem for unemployment insurance, um, to my understanding. one piece is that so vermont um which is one of a few states that doesn't have a waiting period for unemployment benefits um we get full federal funding for the first week of benefits okay which is great because states need money for this right now states you know our unemployment trust fund is incredibly robust Um, after the last recession there was a lot of work done to make sure we were be prepared for the next recession, mm-hmm. but we've been planning for a recession. We have not been planning for a 
shut down. Shut down. <laughs> um, and so having more federal funding to really buffer that trust fund is essential. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then there's other individual provisions related to taxes and such. And so these are exciting too. Um, so it's do, a tax, yes. Before we go to taxes, Indeed. do we want to take a quick break for underwriters? Probably, because this is getting like really geeky and yeah. people probably need a little breathing room. <laughs> so let's do it. Who are we hearing from today? Um, I don't know yet because I oh, haven't seen okay. the lineup. Great. Um, so Can't it's going to be a surprise. Woohoo! <laughs> underwriters. We love our underwriters. Thank you for supporting the radio station through these hard times. Yes. Especially because the radio station itself has decided for public health, it's going to shut down and we're doing as much as we can remotely and loading things up remotely. So the help is even more appreciated because the volunteer hours have just gone up. Thank you, Internet. Thank you, you, volunteers. Off to underwriters. Okay, here we go. Stay tuned. WVEW 107.7 LP FM Brattleboro, your community radio station. And in case anyone has forgotten, the views and opinions expressed during this show, they're mine and Emily's. They're nobody else's. So we own that. (laughs) Don't yell at the radio station, in other words. Um, Don't yell at us either, but feel free to disagree. (laughs) I like that. You can disagree, just don't yell. So, Emily, just before the break, we were going to talk about some of the changes to the tax um, rules um, that just came down from, I believe, the federal government. Yes, indeed. And these aren't actually changes to tax rules. They're tax benefits. Oh, tax benefits. So the changes to tax rules, which we could talk about next week or in a bonus episode if we'd like, um, are basically extensions of deadlines. Um, But the tax rebates um, are... It's the recovery rebates for individuals. And so this is in the 2020 cycle. Um, So that would not be this, you know, the deadline that's April 15th and is being extended. It would be next tax year. Um, So that's $1,200 for individuals earning $75,000 a year. Um, And then sort of goes down when you go above 75,000 and then disappears. Um, $1,200 for heads of household earning up to 112,500 um, and then sort of similar phase out. Um, 2,400 for a couple earning up to 150,000. And then the child tax credit is increased by $500 per child. Um, individuals who have no income or whose income comes entirely from non-taxable means-tested benefit programs, such as Social Security, also qualify for this rebate. Okay. And so that's just some extra cash that'll come in next year and will be nice for people, um, perhaps to pay off some debts that were incurred during this time. That's right. generally what most sort of middle income people use their tax rebates for. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe there are people who are more, I don't know. To do something else with it but most people i know that's what they do with their tax rebate but if in other words if during this time you need to put groceries on your credit card mm-hmm. this yeah. can help you pay that off exactly or if you're sort of always a little bit behind on your electric bill and can't sort of come out of that this kind of thing mm-hmm. um because the um ban on shutoff notice on shutoffs 
for electric for all these utilities don't necessarily don't mean your bill disappears it just means that it accrues without you having to pay for it mm -hmm. and so it's going to be kind of scary at the end yeah yeah, it, yeah. it's such a catch-22 because on the one hand you keep your electricity which is very very important yes however that bill just keeps building and, mm -hmm. and I, you fall yeah. behind even more and I've been hearing from some constituents who are seeking support um, from their lenders around mortgages and things like that. And they are being offered similar deals where it's fine to not pay for a number of months, but it will be due in full at the end of those months, which is a very little help to most people. Because um, you might go back to some income level, but it likely won't be compensating for the income that you lost during that time mm -hmm. this time um so what else happens there um there's some temporary waivers of early withdrawal penalties from retirement accounts if again people sort of need to dip into particular savings that normally they wouldn't um and other things like that um and exclusion of student loan repayments from income And then there is an expansive section on loans for small businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and certain self-employed individuals would be eligible for those loans from the Small Business Administration as well. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit already, I think, right? Yes, we have. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and what I keep hearing from business owners, however, is um, they don't want to take on loans. Absolutely. If you have no cash flow, taking on a loan is a very risky proposition. Mm -hmm. Again, because you might go back to something close to your previous income levels as a business, but that doesn't mean that you'll make up for the business that you lost during this time. And so taking on increasing debt is really risky. Mm -hmm. um, however, part of this um, is going to be in the form of grants. Okay. And so that's a sort of an interesting piece of this. They're structured as loans, but they are forgivable loans. Ah, okay. I heard and about so this. I'm, there are some pros and cons here. Um, one of them is that it means that people need to sort of think really carefully about how they're going to use the money because they're going to have to go through the same kind of loan process and sort of balance sheets that they would need to go through for just a regular loan. Mm -hmm. um, and I assume that part of the intention is about making sure that this funding is going to businesses who will um, who have strong balance sheets even without the impacts of covid mm -hmm. um, so this is going specifically to covid related impacts and is really used to sustain thriving previously thriving businesses um, so people who are sort of sba loan eligible which is a pretty decent threshold um, my concern is that so many of the businesses in our community are not. Right. Um, and those businesses are still making, have been making it work anyway. And so what are we doing for them? Right. And that still remains to be seen. Um, mm -hmm. But there are some other provisions in the federal bill outside of this section that I think will be available for that, those businesses. Mm -hmm. um, there's an employee retention tax credit. Um there are immediate advancements on these small business loans. And um, there's some delays in employer payroll taxes, which is sort of like another way to free up some cash. Mm -hmm. And that's similar to Ooh, what... And there's a fun one Olga, oh. about something we were talking about during the break. Oh, yeah. Ready? Yeah. Um, temporary exception for 2020 from excise tax on distilled spirits used for hand sanitizer. 
Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So, I mean, I don't know. I know this is true for me and I've seen this for a lot of people. There is something about our like high-end distilleries making high proof hand sanitizer liquor that I find like so apocalypse cheerful. It's just amazing. And so that's like really a sign of like Vermonters making it work, coming together, adapting to the local needs. It's a, like, it's just, it's the best. So it's nice to see a little provision connected to that. It is. It is. I um, stopped by, I had an impromptu interview with Ed Metcalf of Vermont Distilleries in Marlboro yesterday because mm-hmm. they're making some hand sanitizer. Um, and it is 80%. So it's even, he was, he was looking at a bottle of a, like a commercial hand sanitizer and the world health organization's uh, requirements are actually higher than some of the commercial hand sanitizers, Oh, which I found fascinating Um, and classic. But uh, I asked him, I said, so why are you doing this? And he said, well, there's, I had the, I had the ethanol um, and there's a community need. Mm-hmm. So I'm filling it. Um, he's having a hard time getting some of the other ingredients at this moment. Aloe, um, I've heard it's really hard to come by right now. Yeah, hydrogen peroxide and glycerol. Oh. Actually, he's having a hard time getting hold of right now. So he doesn't know how long his supply will last. But Okay. Um, we need to can... find some like some chemists somewhere. Some other Maybe. Chemists. How do you make hydrogen peroxide? You don't know. I don't you know. know. Yeah. Hmm. We, we I have, have, to cook I have a few aloe food. plants that are growing around my house maybe i should give them up for the cause (laughs) say here little aloes here little aloes go be useful (laughs) instead of prickly um should i run through the other provisions of this on a really sky high level is that helpful or are we just getting boring now um we're i think we're on the edge so it's a good question Um, there's assistance to fishermen what's that there's assistance to fishermen i don't know that we have any of those in our community very not professionals Um, What I would ask is, you know, what are you hearing from business owners right now? Mm -hmm. I'm hearing a lot of business owners who are facing some big decisions. You know, will their business survive this? Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're looking for funding or or other things that will help them get through. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else in in that sheet that you have the briefing you had that is around grants or extending yeah Yeah. um so there's the economic development administration um has enormous appropriation here 1.5 billion dollars and that can be used much more flexibly at the local level um once it gets to the local level there is um significant money put in, put into community development block grants okay which can be used quite flexibly at the local level mm-hmm. um, and Brattleboro area has been eligible for before that's, um, that's what they use for their revolving loan fund mm-hmm. and their small business business assistance group yeah yeah and so yeah. that's pretty exciting um, those are the, the two biggest things that jumped out at me there are some things that are more sector specific. Um, which will be helpful um, as well as like sort of brownfield redevelopment stuff, um, which I wasn't sure why it was there, but it's always nice because we have so many brownfields in our area. Yeah. Um, And then there's a lot of money towards training. And that's something I brought up on the commerce committee the other day that Mm -hmm. what we know is that um, during a recession, 
people are much more likely to seek educational opportunities, um, whether those are sort of formal post-secondary or training programs. Mm -hmm. And so as we come out of this shutdown and likely enter a significant recessionary period, um, despite the trillions of dollars going into preventing it, um, it might be a sort of lower trough, um, but it's still going to be a trough. We want to be prepared for all of the Vermonters who want to seek that education because that's something we've been trying to do for a really long time is to get more Vermonters into educational and training opportunities. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we have the infrastructure available in a few months for when Vermonters are ready to seek that. And so there's some money for that in here too. Fantastic. Um, so that would get, you know, would support employers and that people would be better trained employees. So for any businesses who are lis listening to this, who should their first call be to? Should they be calling the Small Business Association? Should they be calling the Brattleboro Development Credit Corporation? I, I think people have different comforts with different um, services. And so folks are welcome to contact the Agency of Commerce and Community Development, which is at the state level. They're mm -hmm. welcome to call the Small Business Administration, um, which works regionally. They are welcome to call the Brattleboro Development Credit Corporation. And if they don't know which of those to call or how to do any of it, I am happy to help people work through available resources and get in touch. I might not know the answers to questions, but I usually know who to ask the questions to. Okay. And so I am really very available and I've been doing a lot of that already. And I consider it, as do I think most other legislators, um, a really important part of the service I'm providing to my community right now. Wonderful. Thank you, Emily. Anything you. else around businesses that you want to? Uh... Just, I know it's hard and yeah, I really, scary. I'm feeling like we're all in this together. Um, it's hard for employees. It's hard for employers. Um, you know, it's hard for renters. It's hard for people who, you know, need rent to pay their mortgages. It's, you know, this is something that we're all in together. And I think we need to keep on remembering that and manage with those expectations. Mm -hmm. I have to say I am impressed with how quickly the state and even in its own way, the federal government has has responded. Mm -hmm. um, and at least at the state level, it seems like there's some creative thinking going on, too. Yeah. So it does feel that way. That's that's very heartening, I think. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so, Emily, um, before we sign off here, how are you doing around working remotely, self-care, adjusting to this um, kind of new way of living? I, f I am getting closer to adjusting to the new way of living. Um, yesterday, when I got like the 80th puppy face from my dear son about running back and going back into the office for another meeting, I said, why don't you pretend that I'm in the legislature and gone for four days a week, except I get to be here to cook dinner and eat it with you. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, you're right. That is so much better. <laughs> and he like really like totally shifted his frame within seconds. And so um, finding more opportunities for that frame shifting is great and I'm finding it. Um, really enjoying looking out the window at uh, the incredible beauty that I live in the middle of. Um, mm -hmm. I did play five minutes of basketball yesterday. Good. We have a wide variety of rules because um, my son is more than six feet tall and plays basketball uh -oh. as a sport and I don't. <laughs> I'm like around five feet tall and don't play any sports. And so I'm allowed to foul. He's not. And I get five, five of my, sorry, five of his baskets counts as one point. 
to one of my baskets counting as one point. And so with those circumstances in mind and those rules, I'm still losing, but I'm not losing quite as badly. It's, it's not quite a trounce. And it makes it more fun as opposed to just like, you know, ridiculous. So anyway, those are some of the things I'm doing. Nice, nice. Yeah. I, um, I'm doing, it's interesting. So the other day, um, and, and just as ex, uh, info as a member of the press the stay at home stay safe order doesn't apply to me in the same way i'm still allowed to go out for work and that type of thing um but i was out and about for work and i had to make a decision about something and it was a little decision around lunch and it was so overwhelming and it it realized to me that i hadn't been caring for myself Mm -hmm. because suddenly the world was just too big and overwhelming. Um, and I realized for me, part of that is I feel very responsible to the community yeah, to give it good information mm-hmm. um, and information that will help it during this time. And it's so hard to do that because so much is changing. Yeah. Um, and people have so many needs and very I can specific to needs. All that you're saying. Yeah. 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 Got it. Um, and so what I did was I actually have instituted a number of um, Zoom lunches and Zoom dinners with my friends. Oh, good. Um, and, and so that just gives me a different perspective, gets me in contact with the people who, who make my heart big. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also to try to make sure that my day has a beginning and an end. Yes. Because with news on a good day, it can be 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to try to look at my calendar and be like, okay, my day is beginning here mm-hmm. and, and my work email gets shut off at this time mm-hmm. to try to give some kind of container. Cause for some reason I thought my days were going to be slower mm-hmm. with remote work yeah, and calmer. No, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. I really appreciate. Um, I think there are a lot of lessons from this that I'm hoping to carry forward um and one of them is putting like trying to put a container around work um integrating some exercise um yes. a few, you know play and joy and um all of that i what i have not made space for um and i don't think i'm ready to is really the incredible grief and fear that's sitting you know around all of us yeah and so um i fully yeah, admit to keep, trying to prepare myself that for that yeah, yeah trying to prepare myself for a moment when i'm ready for it yeah if I, I mean, I don't know if you can ever be ready for that. No. Just and aware that I'm not looking at it yet, and I will have to. I'm very aware that I am consciously pushing it away. Yeah. Um, and that there will be a point where, because grief has its own force of nature. Yeah. That I will probably not be able to push it away any longer. Mm-hmm. And it will be what it will be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, darling. Mm-hmm. And to all the darlings out there, all our lovelies <laughs> who are tuning in, mm-hmm. thank you for joining me today. Um, and stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, wash yeah. your hands. <laughs> wash your hands, eat good food, move around a little bit, get some fresh air, connect with loved ones. And if you want to talk about anything that we talked about or anything else, please be in touch with me, emilykornheiser.org ecornheiser at ledge.state.bt.us, ecornheiser at gmail, or find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 
thank you for a great conversation once again, Olga. Thank you, Emily. And of course, you can find us on WBEW 107.7, as well as our Vermontitude Facebook page and SoundCloud page and BCTV. Stay well, stay safe, and we will talk to you next week.